Isaac, please come up. And I'll get, get everyone to stand. And what we're going to do is just pray for families. I think that's on. So if you could all stand, we're just going to pray for families. Um, and, and what we're doing when we pray, when someone prays from the front, uh, we can either be active or passive in our participation in that. What does active participation look like? It means that when Isaac says something that really strikes your heart, you're like, yeah, I agree with that. You go, yeah, amen, amen to that. And that's what amen, so be it. Let that happen. Um, and you just agree with that. So that's how we actively participate in prayer from the front. We go, yes, amen, I agree. We might even add a little bit to that. Yeah, thank you for that, Lord, I, whatever it might be. Isaac, let's go. <laughs> Jesus, we just come before you this morning, Lord. Father God, this topic has weighed on our hearts for a long time, Lord God. For those that are afar off, Lord Jesus. Mm. Father God, I thank you that you are the father of the prodigals, Lord. Yes, Lord. That you are the father that yearns like nobody else for them yeah. to come home, Father. Amen. Lord God, right now, Father God, we just reach out in the spirit, Lord God. Mm. Father God, we lift up every, every name, Father, every face right now. We just visualize. We just see the faces yeah. of those, Lord God, that we've been praying for and believing for, Lord. Mm. For kids, Lord, Father God, for husbands, for wives, for Lord Jesus, for everyone in our family, Lord God, that does not know you or that is afar off, Lord. Yes. Right now, in the name of Jesus, Father God, we just join together, Father, and we call them back into relationship yes. with you again, Lord. For those that have never come, Father, we call them into relationship with you, Lord. We claim their souls for the kingdom of heaven in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that they would come to know what it is to have peace and to have life, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Father. Lord God, I thank you, Lord God, for the seed sown over the years, Lord God, into life. Father God, as your word is released, it never returns void, Lord. Father God, I thank you, Lord God, for the seeds that have been sown over the years, Lord God, and we declare a harvest in this season, Lord. We declare, Father God, that fruit will come of this in the name of Jesus, Lord God. Father God, I ask that you would begin to stir our hearts as well, Lord God, that we become people that chase down those that do not know you, Lord. Father God, I ask for a fresh boldness in us, Father God, that we would become a church, Lord God, that is heartbroken by people that do not know you, Lord. Father God, that we would be the ones that would find someone else's son and daughter in the street, Father, and remind them about how much you love them, Jesus. Father God, that we would become the ones, Lord God, that share the message, a word and season for him who is weary, Lord God, in this season, Lord. Father God, I ask, Lord God, for this church for a fresh stirring in the name of Jesus, Lord. Father God, I ask that you would build into our day, Lord God, a compassion and a consistency in prayer, Lord Jesus. We would come to a place, Father God, where you burden us, Father God, with what burdens you, Lord Jesus, and we begin to pray through, Lord Jesus. Father God, the prayers of a righteous man avail much, Lord God, the consistent prayers of a righteous man avail much, Lord God, and we just declare right now, Lord God, that we become people of consistent prayer, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Father. I just thank you, Lord God, for the way you're moving on those people, Lord God. You know every, every personality that's out there, every person that is sitting alone, every person that is crying out for an answer, Lord Jesus. Father, we just declare, Father God, that that answer would come swiftly in the name of Jesus, Lord. That this would be the season we would see them coming back to know you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, mate. I got my own. I got my own special microphone. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Keep believing. Keep believing for salvation. Um, 
Oh dear. Today I wanted to talk a little bit about servants, what, what's it mean to be a servant, and uh, we are going to be having a, a sort of day of recruitment in a few weeks' time, but I want it to be a little bit different. Um, you know, how often we're, you know, called to volunteer, you know, we need volunteers, um, and that's great, but but I honestly think that in the kingdom of God, we don't just want volunteers, right? We want people that that have hearts ready to give the way that God wants them to give. So you'll you'll see, you know, in the scripture when it talks about even giving finance, that God loves a cheerful giver. There's something special about a cheerful giver. Um, and we'll talk about a few of the things that that we notice in people who serve, including ourselves, I, I must admit. You know, over time we we serve in different areas or serve people or we do things and how corrupt that really is. Our service is absolutely pathetic sometimes. It's like we do it, but our heart's so far from the, the whole point of it that it actually loses its power. So my, my thinking is this. Um, so I'll be speaking for a couple of weeks on this. We'll have Matt will come and speak some amazing message of encouragement that doesn't challenge us. And No, not really. <laughs> but challenges us in a different area. Then, I'll, then we'll have our Sunday where we just say, hey, guys... You know, we've been talking about this, but what I want you to do is begin to pray. Connect with God over this, all right? Um, and again, even with finance, when it talks about, you know, each of you, you in your heart should decide what you should give. That there's this decision made that, no, this is where I'm going to serve. This is, this is where I want to, to serve the body of Christ. And it's not a help, it's not a this, it's not a that. And um, I, I just, you know, I love shows where they help people, um, I don't watch them too much because I cry all the time. So undercover boss, I'm like a bawling mess sometimes, which is crazy. You know, they're, they're talking to some lady and she's had some problem and they're going to save, you know, give her money for her kids to go to school or uni or whatever and, and they'll train them up and there's this heart connection. And it's amazing what happens when true service comes out where there's this heart of giving without, without uh, how, how would you say it, without strings attached in what they do. Um, there's another show that I that I used to watch sometimes. It's an English show. Uh, I was probably Australian as well, but it was 60 Minute Makeover. I don't know if any of you seen that, but they'll go to this house and uh, it's pretty average. You know, there's not much there. They'll walk in, they'll do a consult, and um, in 60 minutes they transform the whole house. You know, and, and you're like, how can you do a house in 60 minutes? Well, they have a 1,000 people in there helping. And it's like a 1,000 work hours in one hour, but, I mean, some of, some of it's a little dodgy um, as they're all stepping over each other and trying to do things. But it's amazing what gets done in one hour when so many people put in a little bit of effort. You know, it's the old saying, many hands make light work. And I think, you know, with God, he talks about the church being this body where if every member does, a part, it does its part, the whole church grows, the whole body grows, the whole of the body is strengthened in some way. And sometimes it's the little things that people do that you don't really notice, but if, if they're not done, you notice. You know, like say out of this building, um, th this is really nice, everything's done well, and we didn't used to have skirting along the edge there, and there's little gaps in the carpet, the skirting is one tiny, tiny bit of this building, but when that got put in, all of a sudden there was this amazing um, 
amazing transformation of what things looked like. You know, it was like that little bit that finished it off that made it look nice. We can't judge what we do by, you know, those sorts of things. Um, so, you know, there's that 60-minute that makeover. Everything done, everyone helping, everyone doing their little bit of part. Um, but my heart is this, that nobody in this church does something with a bad attitude, with, with a bad attitude of doing, because honestly, it's, it just doesn't bless God. It doesn't bless God, it doesn't bless you as the giver, it doesn't bless the person you're doing it for because underneath it the heart is wrong and that's what I wanted us to sort of think about today in, in terms of our attitude in serving, what's that like? Um, not so much you must do something because honestly when you're doing things that are you know, involuntary, you know you don't like it, you know you hate it, you know you get bitter, you know you get resentful, you know you don't really enjoy it, you, don't, you have a wrong attitude. But we are called to serve our Heavenly Father. So I just wanted to read from Luke 12, um, verse 42 to 47, firstly, um, and just read this. This is what Jesus said. It was a parable. Well, actually, it wasn't really a parable. It was. But it's a saying. And the Lord replied, A faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there'll be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But what if the servant thinks, My master won't be back for a while and begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk? The master will return unannounced and unexpected and he will cut the servant in pieces and banish him with the unfaithful. And a servant who knows that the ma- what the master wants but isn't prepared and doesn't carry out those instructions will be severely punished. Now, reading that there, obviously there's a lot of lessons in that about service. You know, that God is expecting something from us as Christians. We're not meant to be idle. We're not meant to be lazy. We're not meant to forget about God and do whatever we want without taking in consideration what is it that God's actually asking us to do. We're not meant to live a selfish life, basically. And servant, that, that word servant can have lots of different meanings, but one of the meanings that, that I really love is this, that a servant is a worshipper of the Lord. Someone who worships the Lord. That, that even though it's a position of servant, what's done in that moment is actually an act of worship to God. What I do is an act of worship to God and I just wanted to talk about a few of those things today that, that really corrupt that worship to God. All right, so let's have a look at, I think, what, eight things? We'll see how we go. Number one, a, a worshipful servant does things willingly and not grudgingly. So 2 Corinthians 9, uh, 5 to 7. I want it to be a willing gift, not one giving grudgingly. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Have you ever met a person that is doing things, but every time you see them, there's like this look of despair on their face, and it's sort of like you can tell that they're not really wanting to do it, but they're doing it anyway, and there's this grudgingness in it. And they'd like to let you know that what they're doing is such a burden for them. 
even though they're, they're doing it, it's like, I just don't want to be there. For us as Christians, it's the first thing to show that we are a worshipful servant is that we actually want to do it for God. It's not a grudging thing. That when God asks us to do something, we don't decide in our heart that we're just going to begrudge it. We are going to get angry. We are going to get bitter, but we're going to hide it away and do it anyway. It's something that we can all fall into the trap of. So anything that I speak today, I guarantee at some stage in your life you've done this. Number two, it's done with humility. 1 Peter 5, 5 says this, And all of you serve each other in humility. For God opposes the proud but favours the humble. This is something about the Christian life that is so amazing. When Jesus was talking to the disciples and they were arguing about who is greatest in the kingdom of God, Jesus gave them a strange, strange answer. It says, on the earth, it's different to what it is in heaven. He said, in the kingdom of heaven, the greatest is the greatest servant. In other words, there's this act of humility, and not so that you could be the greatest, you decided to serve everyone, but there's this humility of understanding that we are called to serve one another in love. There's a humility in it. We're not, not trying to make ourselves known or great or anything like that. And, and, and as I talk about a lot of these things this morning, they're sort of going to blend in, fudge, fudgy into each other. But humility in service. When you serve, is it, I'm so good? Look at me. I'm serving humbly for God. That is a worshipful servant. Number three, Philippians 2, 14 and 15. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Have you ever done anything where you've complained? and grumbled, and argued. I'm pretty sure as a kid there was times when I complained, and grumbled, and argued with my parents. Justifying why I shouldn't have to do something, um, and, and not really doing it with a real heart of service. That, that my mind had been taken off what I was meant to be doing, but it was far better to complain and argue. Let me make it hard. Let me make it hard for you, mum and dad, to tell me to do something. And, and you know what happens with this? So often, people who complain and argue end up not being asked to do anything, which is exactly what they want. <laughs> you've probably found it in life when you're in business or something like that. You've got two people in your business and you know that if you ask one, it's going to be like World War III trying to get them to do it. You ask the other one, it's like, yep, no problem. Let me do that for you. Let me take care of that. And you know they're going to do it well. You know they're going to not going to complain and argue about having to do the job. It's exactly the same for us in the kingdom of God. When we are asked to do something by him, or even when we're just asked to serve in the church, what is our heart like? At the end of the day, do we go home and start complaining about everyone who was there, what they did, what they didn't do? Have we argued all the time? You know, why should I do that? What's in it for me? Children with your parents, are you like that? You complain and argue all the time rather than just get the task done. Do you know what? It's so much more fun when you don't complain and when you don't argue, when you just do what you're asked to do. And we have such a good life that, that we should be so 
happy to be able to do these things. I remember reading the story of, of a Christian overseas and they'd been jailed, but their job was to, to work in the sewage pit. They actually literally were in it all day, bucketing things out. And yet his response was this, I was so happy that I was able to praise the Lord while I did that job. His heart had been so transformed by the power of Christ that he knew whatever he did, when he lived out his faith in that, when he had the opportunity to live out his faith, it was a blessing and not a curse to him. Next we have Ephesians 6, 7 and Colossians 3, 23, 24. And this is something that we as Christians always need to remember. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Just to emphasize that. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. One of the best ways to, to know that or to get your heart right in service is to have the right viewpoint. When I serve, who am I serving? I'm serving God. But how is he involved in it, in my workplace? This is actually literally talking to servants or slaves in, in the Bible. They're saying, work hard for your masters. But the same applies to us in whatever we do, doesn't it? You know, if, if I'm doing it, for men and not for God, then I'm losing the real point of what I do. If I'm working and living for God, there's this blessing in it. That's what it says. There is a blessing actually doing that. My heart is connected to the things and the purposes of God and I do it with this amazingly grateful heart and I'm remembering all the time I'm serving God. And the truth is we serve God in whatever we do, don't we? That, that whatever we do, we always remember that it is God's grace that holds us and helps us all the time. We work for God. We're not working for people. Although we would try to please our masters, our bosses, our whatever in life, in the end, for us to get through some of the hard things, we have to also remember that, that we're serving God, not people. And this is really important when we're called to a task that is difficult. Have you ever been in that place where you really feel like God's called you to do something? You start doing it, and all of a sudden, you become a target. Let me tell you right now that if you own ministry in any area, you will become a target. One reason is because there's people with bad attitudes and bad motives that, that want to be there instead of you. Another reason is because the devil doesn't want you to do anything for Jesus. And we need to remember we're working for God because as soon as times get tough, what are you going to do? You're going to quit. If you don't remember that you're actually working for God and not for people, if this is God's purpose not to please people, then we will give up very, very quickly. But those who are worshipful servants always remember that whatever you do, it's done for God. Next, Matthew 23, verse 5. Now, this is talking about the Pharisees when Jesus was talking to them and, and he was giving the disciples a bit of a picture of what they do. It mentioned quite a few things that they did 
Um, and you might even remember there's a, there's a sermon that Jesus gave, which was called the Sermon on the Mount, that talked about when you pray, don't do it publicly. When you fast, don't do it openly. Do it for Jesus. But this is what it says, everything they do is for show. On their arms they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside and they wear, they wear robes with extra long tassels. That doesn't make much sense to us today, does it? Really. But don't you know people who serve and it's all for show? Look at me. I'm so amazing. Look at all these things I've done. God must lovely, love me far more than you guys. <laughs> Look at me. You see, sometimes our heart is so deceptive to us and, and we think we're serving God, but we're doing it for show. In other words, we're doing it so people can see how amazing we are. God doesn't like that. He doesn't like us being showy and, and trying to get people's approval and love and, and that they're like, just, wow, you're amazing. But how many times have you done something like that? You know, you've done a job, but you make sure that everyone saw that you did it, so you did it in front of them. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, and you come out, and oh, I'm so exhausted from putting out all those chairs. So exhausted. Oh, man, I was here for so many hours. It's like, I can't believe how amazing I am. If no one sees it, I don't want to do it. Have you ever met those people? You know, if there's no glory in it, there's no point, Right? Because I'm looking for something that's called the approval of man to look good in people's eyes, not God's. Oops, excuse me. Next, we have those motives that we have need to be pure. Pure. Pure motives. God blesses those whose hearts are pure. Matthew 5, 8. For they will see God. Proverbs twenty twenty seven. The Lord's light penetrates the human spirit, exposing every hidden motive. I don't know about you, but I've seen in this world that a lot of people do things just to get something out of it, right? Their motive is wrong. One of the things I really hate is that, um, you know, the whole idea of networking in business. Now, I understand it. But have you ever felt fake in your service towards God? Or toward, towards people, because obviously we are called to serve one another in love, right? Have you ever felt fake in that? Networking is one of those big things. It's like, let's all go and let's network. What is that all about? It's either, can I get something from you, or can I sell something to you? In other words, the motive behind it is very impure. It's very greedy. It's very self-centered. Can we serve like that, though, sometimes? If, if I do this, maybe I will get that. If I help my neighbor, maybe he will help me later on. What can I get out of it? You know that old thing, they owe me, where Jesus said, you know what? Lend to people without expecting anything back. And that is our motive in service as well in the kingdom of God. I'm not expecting something back. I'm not expecting that I should get a thank you card every three weeks for everything I've done. Lovely if it happens. 
But when my motives are impure, all I'm doing for is looking for something while I serve. And it may be that I'm doing it before men so I can get their approval, so that, that when, when people see me, they're approving of me, that you know I'm a, a man-pleaser. I'm looking for the praises of people. That's what I'm looking for. But when we serve God with a pure heart, what are we looking for? Nothing. Our motives are absolutely pure. In fact, we might be looking for something even better than that, and that is to promote other people in the things of God. To make sure that, that they are loved. To make sure that they are looked after. To make sure that, that their needs are met. So I guess there is a motive, but the motive is absolutely pure, just like the motive of God when he sent his son, Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible says that we should have the same attitude as Christ. Although he had everything, he gave it all up to serve. And Christians, that's what we are called to do. We are called to that. Christians, we are called to live a life differently to other people, different to what the world says, where it's like, if I do, it's to get. I want a promotion, so I'll do it to get the promotion. Now, the thing is that it's exactly the same things that we do, but remember that God looks at the heart of those that are giving, of those that are serving. He looks at that heart. We also know our own heart, don't we, a lot of the time? We're deceived by it, of course, sometimes, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I know exactly what I'm talking about because I'm that person sometimes. And it takes years and years of growing, growing closer and closer to Christ that his heart begins to become your heart. That you see the world through his eyes. That you're not out for yourself anymore, but you're out to promote God and his kingdom, to live out his purposes in your life. You know, sometimes we do stuff out of obligation. It's not the right way to do it, but we do it. But then over time, as God transforms us, it turns into joy. Think about it. If every person was serving with joy, <laughs> rather than being a burden, that it was a joy to serve the Lord wherever you are. You see, the thing is that the kingdom of God needs us. We need each other. But imagine we're all serving each other, so all of us feel okay because I'm serving you, you're serving me, we're all serving each other, and we're living, as the Bible said, to serve one another with love. No one's neglected. No one's missing out. And what I would love you to do is just really, really pray over the next few weeks. How can I be part of what God wants here at Cornerstone? Because I don't know. I could ask you to do something and that's okay. You know, we're, we're also called to serve in that way. When we're asked to do something, we do it with gladness and cheerfulness and serving, serving like that way. Um, you don't want bad leaders either that boss you around. You do everything, but they're ruling in a bad way. But, but imagine you feel like, you know, I've got this amazing calling to kids. This is how it might work. I love kids so much. I feel that's where God wants me. You're like, that's it. I'm signing up for kids' church. 
sign up. You get to go out. We're hopefully going to work on some things where you trial it out and you see whether you like it or not. Then you start. But then this happens. You go in there. <laughs> it's funny talking to one lady. She's like, oh, they're not coming to the church now. It was before times. And I was saying, I went into the kids' church. I'm like, that's it. The kids are going to be awesome. This is going to be great. This is my ministry. I feel like that's where God wants me. And the kids are just going to love me. And she walked in and no one listened. <laughs> and there's a kid on the mat sitting like this. <laughs> I remember back in the old, old days of the church, we were at Howard Springs Hall and we're in the hall and walking to the Sunday school room and someone's sitting on a kid because <laughs> they're just running amok. <laughs> and they had to hold them down just for a minute. They weren't hurting them. <laughs> But sometimes ministry is not fun. What God has asked you to do is not glorious and magnificent and you're not in front of people and they're all adoring you and loving you and, and the kids are quiet as mice and, oh, they love Jesus so much and they're giving the right answers. Guess what? Reality isn't like that. And that's why it's so important that you get the right heart because when hard times come, you go back to what God has called you to do. It might be something big, it might be something small, whatever it might be, but it doesn't really matter. And, and besides the calling, we're all called to serve regardless. You don't need a calling to stack chairs or you know, put something out or help in the Sunday school or whatever. You just need a heart to serve and to love and to grow people. I think about it like this, the chairs here today. Who loves sitting on a chair? Yeah, I do. It's far better than the floor for me. What happens when you come in here, you come and sit on the chair and all of a sudden you're in this place where you actually feel reasonably comfortable and you can sit and hear the Word of God and it's air-conditioned. And guess what? Someone comes in and, and they come in and there's like a chair for them to sit in. Someone who doesn't know Jesus and they're like, oh, there's a chair to sit in. Imagine they come in, there's no chairs and, and they walk out. Even in church. You get what I'm saying? Church isn't everything at all without ministry. But we could look at setting up chairs as such a, a miserly little thing, but without that chair, perhaps that person sits and listens to a message. And the word of God strikes their heart and they become a Christian. And then they go home and tell their family and their family becomes a Christian. Can you see how important even the little things are? Now God somehow works despite our best effort. But what we do as Christians is remove obstacles. We serve people so that God might be known, that his name might be glorified. And as I said before, when you come to something like that 60-minute makeover, <laughs> it's everyone, everyone pitching in together to make things work. Not for what you can get out of it. 1 Peter 5.2, and this is talking to those given care of the church. Care for the flock that God has entrusted you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. Again, we see that word, grudgingly. 
not for what you will get out of it, but because you're eager to serve God. You see, this is the motive that we have as Christians. We don't do it for what we get out of it. And, and so many times we even hear that. And sometimes it can be corrupted. Sometimes it's the truth. But like, say, mission trips overseas. We go there for whatever reason and we come back and go, I got more out of it than they did. You should go on a mission trip. It will change your life. That's a good thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing and it does change your life. But if that's a motive for doing something that my life might be changed, not theirs, that's not a good motive. Do you get it? Slight difference. I don't make a beautiful cake for morning tea so that everyone will praise me. You're such a good baker. (laughs) Woolies do me proud when I have to do it. (laughs) They've got good bakers. (laughs) But this is it. It all works together. The body of Christ working together. And to be honest, you shouldn't be a lazy Christian. It's pretty scary when you read that first passage anyway. You know, you're a Christian and you're coming to church and it's like, yeah, party time. Jesus isn't coming back yet. I can do whatever I want. Maybe I'll go and have a wild party and drink up and and forget about the things of God. And then Jesus walks through the door and it's like, whoops. (laughs) Now, we don't want to just do something because we're fearful. That's not the point either. But we do have to understand that if you're a Christian and you're part of the church, you're expected to serve God in whatever way he asks you to do it and even in ways that he hasn't asked you, but you should be serving anyway. And the good thing is that when you do serve, there's a blessing, as it said at the end of that passage, that there's this inheritance, this blessing that comes to you. When you're serving God, there is a blessing that flows. We don't do it for the blessing, but by golly, we get one when our attitude is right. And you know the other thing? Everything's actually really, really easy when you serve that way. I know people that have been asked, you know, you look at them and they seem so busy doing everything and you're like, man, you're going to burn out. It must be really hard. But, you, but then they'll say to you, no, I feel fine. What, what's the difference? You imagine coming in and serving cheerfully in a place. How do you leave? Cheerfully. You imagine serving grudgingly. The clock ticks past so slow and you just don't want to be there. The attitude you have to service. If you can be that servant that worships God in your service, it will change your life forever. Because nothing is actually hard. It becomes a pleasure to serve Him. I mean, we can look at the disciples, we can look at Paul, we can look at Christians of the past that have gone through brutal times, yet they say, I have such joy. That song we sang this morning, it's well with my soul. Yep, doesn't matter. Within the service to God, there is such joy. 
And the beautiful thing, and, and this is the worshipful servant as well, in Acts 2.18, um, this is a prophecy repeated from Joel. When the Holy Spirit came upon the church, and it says this, in those days I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. The point here I'm making is not about the prophecy, but this, a servant of God, a worshipful servant, opens themselves up to the blessing of the Holy Spirit being poured out upon their lives. And we know that the kingdom of God is not what we eat and drink, but it's joy and peace through the Holy Ghost. And if we can serve that way, what joy awaits us, what absolute delight we live in because the Holy Spirit is poured out on worshipful servants but the others the grudging the ones looking for favor the ones trying to please man not god service is miserable it's not fun and you never live in that blessing of god so the encouragement here (laughs) it doesn't sound that encouraging but but it is encouraging that guys we've been called to serve god in whatever way it is. But when we do it, it says, serve the Lord with enthusiasm and serve the Lord with joy and gladness. That's the attitude that we have. Serving with humility to this God who loved us and humility towards one another. And honestly, who knows what God could build in this place? Like I said, 60-minute makeover. What could God do? What could God do in this place with a team of Christians? That first verse I read out this morning when the brothers and sisters or the brethren dwell in unity. Their God commands a blessing. Now, unity is not just all agreeing in the same thing. It's where you're working together for a purpose, the kingdom of God. Imagine that. I love that. We're not even... I love the blessing of God because it's so random. It's like you don't even know what's coming. It's just like, here you go, here's a blessing. And I, and I love it when um, <laughs> I listened to one of the church leaders talking about his church that had grown and it was really expanded and people would come to them and say you need to run a course of how you did it and he said we never ran a course he said the reason is this that it would give the impression we knew what we were doing (laughs) and that's how God works in us sometimes in the church that we're in we don't know what we're doing what we do is love God we serve God we love each other we serve each other now who wouldn't want that who wouldn't want that Now, maybe this morning that you're not even a person who belongs to God. Your first act would be this. Invite him into your life. Become a Christian. How do you do that? Call upon his name. Believe that Jesus died for your sin and ask him into your life. It's just the start of your conversion. And after that, you've got many, many more years of growing with God to become a complete person. 
But today could be the start of that for you. I'm going to pray a prayer and you can just pray along with me and ask Jesus into your life. See what he might do. That's you this morning. You're feeling something inside. You're like, man, I know I need this. I feel really empty, but I don't know what it is. Let me tell you this. You'll have 100,000 questions. I've still got them. But I can tell you this. The truth is that the way to God is through Jesus, his death on the cross. He forgave your sin. For anyone who calls upon his name will be saved. If you call upon Jesus today, he'll save you. Invite him in. It's the start of your walk as a Christian. That's you this morning. Just pray with me now. Father God, I'm so sorry that I haven't lived for you. This morning I've been listening to these people and they're talking about your son Jesus, that he died for me. This morning I just want to thank you for that, that my sins can be forgiven. This morning I'm asking you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sin and set me free. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, your next step is this. Talk to your friend you came with. Talk to a family member that's a Christian. Come and talk to me if you have no one. Say, hey, I prayed that prayer. What's my next step? How do I let God be everything inside of me? That's your next step. And, And for those of us who are in this church, your next step is to help them grow Christ. Remember, it's like when every member does its part, the whole body grows. That's it. Thanks, guys. Hand it over to these guys.